Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Hello and welcome back to The Truth About Local Government. Today I'm really excited to have the Chief Executive of St Helens Council, Kath Dwyer, to talk about St Helens, career opportunities in local government, the challenges we're facing, her role in Solace, and fundamentally what is happening in this very exciting chapter of St Helens' um, lifespan, as it were. Um, so Kath, firstly, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm good, thank you, and it's a pleasure. I'm glad to be uh, have the opportunity. Amazing. Well, then, thank you so much. So if we can start off with a bit of context as to, you know, where is St. Helens? Um, obviously, your position and kind of the context of that. And just give us a bit of a grounding uh, kind of a start for the conversation, please. So where's St. Helens? Um, we're a borough at the heart of the northwest of England, um, slap bang in the middle between Liverpool and Manchester. So our uh, population is about 180,000. Uh, just short of uh, 5,000 businesses um, and we've got quite um, a cultural history really so the borough is rooted in um, industrial heritage, uh, birthplace of the first passenger railway, um, first industrial canal, um, Beecham's um, Hills started here, uh, Pilkington Glass so our economy was really based on pharmaceutical, coal and glass. Um, and of course, I couldn't talk about St. Helens uh, without our world famous rugby league team, uh, Saints, and indeed Haydock Park Races. So they're uh, two of our big attractions. Um, but it's, a, it's, it's a, 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 I can't, I love St. Helens. I am St. Helens born and bred. Um, and it's an absolute privilege to be the chief exec of your uh, hometown um, and an opportunity to make a difference, you know, where where you come from. Um, my mum still lives here. Some of my kids live here. So why would I not want to make St. Helens the best place it can be? I must be honest, Kath, you, the vibrancy and energy with which you you act and speak and across all different forums really comes through just how passionate you are about St. Helens. And I think that's one of the amazing things about that for when people who aren't aware of local government and of the opportunities that exist there see somebody like yourself, a leader with so much pride about place, about where they're from. And that the intrinsic drive to really future proof an area, because like you said there, you know, you, there were the foundations and the history of St. Helens, but it's making sure that you're future proofing the place, the the infrastructure of the council and the communities to make sure yeah. that the people of tomorrow have, you know, can have that pride as well. Um we, we've spoken a lot. Uh, you're a massive ambassador, fantastic ambassador um, for promoting, as am I, local government opportunities to the public. You know, why do you work for local government? I don't think there's there's any other sector where you can make such a big difference and where the opportunities are so varied. So. For me, local government's the only place that looks to tackle the big issues facing communities, you know, whether that's aspirations of our young people, climate change, housing crisis, supporting residents through the cost of living crisis. 
local government does all of that and and that's what makes it such a, a complex system really so i don't know of another sort of organization most businesses specialize in something local government delivers over 600 different services so diverse and 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 what that means is there's so many opportunity career opportunities and I'm, I'm not sure that as a sector we shout about that um, loud enough, to be honest. Um, you know, no no one day is the same in local government. Um, you know, from my point of view, you know, you might be out and engaging with residents. You might be on a building site looking at new regen schemes in the office, uh, planning, developing strategies. No, no, no two days are the same. And, and that's. I mean, I've just celebrated my 40th year in local government. Um, I did start when I was Congratulations. six. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but to, to still have the passion and the energy, it's because it's so diverse and so different. You know, you can't. I can't knock it, to be honest. Um, I think it's the lovely thing, isn't it? It's having that variety of, and also like career progression as well. There are so few opportunities where you can, you know, try so many different and genuinely different roles across children's social care and everything that comes within that play shaping adults. And, yeah. you know, genuinely speaking, I, 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 there is the people that succeed and go up the ranks in the government are people that are intrinsically motivated to do good. And there is such a meritocracy around, you know, if you're doing a good job, then you will, there is, there are opportunities for you there. Um, how have you how have you done it you know in terms of becoming a chief executive because you're a role model for a lot of people who are um you know being you know and i was saying beforehand hopefully one day we won't have to talk about uh, gender balance on senior leadership team but you know you're a female chief executive highly experienced highly decorated how have you been so successful within this field i mean i started as an unqualified um worker in adult uh, learning disability in a day centre they were called adult training centres in those days i then moved into children's residential uh, secure accommodation and in those days you you got the opportunity to get your professional qualification through work so i was i was um, funded to do my social work degree and there's not that many chief execs that come from the people side of things traditionally chiefs come from finance or legal or you know um which is maybe why it's historically quite uh, male dominated I don't know um and I, I had no aspiration to be a chief exec at all um and I thought that you know as I progressed up the ranks I was uh, you know team literally did every tier I was a team manager I was a head of service I was an AD I was a director of children's and I was a director of people's um, you know incorporating adults uh, children's and public health um, and I sort of fell into being a chief exec by accident in that I was a deputy chief exec which was great because I got to play at it for six weeks a year where the chief was on holiday um, <laughs> and then unfortunately my um, uh, chief exec was suspended um, and there was no what well, I learned lesson learned if you've got deputy in your title <laughs> and the person who's it disappears there's no discussion no debate you're it um but I thought the regen side of the business of council business and the corporate side of council business 
would bore me to death because I was a people's person. But actually, I've spent my, you know, the bulk of my career trying to make a difference to individuals, families, groups in society. And actually, through the, the growth and regen side of the business, you can make a massive difference to individuals, families, groups in society, you know, in one fell swoop. Um, and all the corporate stuff, actually, that's the stuff that enables place and peoples to to deliver to communities. So I thought I'd hate it and I absolutely love it. And this is my second chief exec's job. Um, and I intend to sort of see out my days here, really. Um, but that opportunity in local government that, you know, if you work hard, if you're passionate and committed, and if you want to make a difference, there is every opportunity to do that. And that's in finance, legal HR, property, trading standards, licensing, social care, highways, planning, surveying, you name it. But what a lot, what of the public just see the bits of local government they access. So they see waste, they see potholes, they see ranger service in the parks. They, what they don't see is all the other opportunities. And that's something I just think we, you know, we need to shout more about. And actually, local government's a really good employer. Mm. You know, we have great a good pension scheme. We've got flexible hybrid working, good holiday allowance, reward schemes in lots of councils, you know, and we don't shout about that. Um, One thing we're going to do, Kath, this year on this podcast uh, is we're going to be doing um, a almost like a um, get to know your service area. So and the opportunities that exist within that, the words then we're going to share with the public um, and for those listening at home. So in a council, you have kind of mainly speaking three uh, divisions that you'll find in the kind of a, a unitary or county, um, which are kind of people orientated work, which is your social services and yeah. adults and children. You've got place shaping, which basically is the physical, um, your highways, your uh, regeneration, your property, your planning. And then you have your corporate functions. So your HR, procurement, your legal. And yeah. I, I just really want to go back to something you said, Kath, about, you know, you know, coming from children's and then you kind of you having exposed to all those different service areas, because I've always felt that local government is like the circus in terms of you've got to have all the parts pulling together for the tent to go up. And if one part isn't working, the show can't go on. And I think that's just so true of it. I also think what's quite interesting, and I want to get, we'll come back to in a second just to talk about apprenticeships and people not from local government backgrounds. But, you know, you talked about coming from a child, a people's orientated background and that giving you a slightly different perspective. You know, care costs at the moment are an incredible challenge for a lot of councils yeah. out there. Um, and again, you've addressed the fact, which I think is absolutely spot on. People only think about councils from the the services they access. And until you personally need uh, social care support for your um, elderly relative or your child has special education needs support or anything within the confinements yeah. of that, you don't necessarily think about it. But just going on to it, how challenging have the costs been for social care and is it sustainable? I actually think both adults and children's social care are broken systems now. The demand... Um, and some of that, I guess, is post-COVID. And some of that is just that, you know, we are living longer, um, but not necessarily, you know, healthily. Um, the demand is far outstripping the, you know, the resources that councils have got. Um, 
but it's not just the demand it's the costs so a lot of social care whether that's adults or children's is purchased from the private sector which is about profit and demand is outstripping supply and therefore the costs have gone up astronomically you know it is not unusual to be paying seven grand a week for a child in care placement or more wow. um I'm, i i have the privilege of um leading the dcs forum for cheshire and merseyside and the conversations with those nine dcs's we've got some kids that are, it's costing you know 25 30 grand a week for councils don't have that sort of money anymore you know when I first started as a senior leader in, in um, local government, we got a big grant from central government that here's your money, off you go and deliver your services. That's over the last 10, 12 years, that's disappeared in its entirety. And the only income councils have now is, is what they generate themselves through council tax, business rates, you know, commercial opportunities, fees and charges, that sort of stuff. And it's just not enough. So that, the funding system um, and the ever open door system for um, adults and children's social care is just unsustainable. It needs, and every council's grappling and trying to find a solution and trying to balance the books and manage risk. But actually, it needs a national solution. Uh, Local absolutely. Can, councils uh, can't do this by themselves. Because I think. It is just so in a drastic need of of a revolution, yeah. um, because the consequence if nothing is done, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but if there was nothing done, what will eventually happen in my mind is it will get to a point whereby there isn't enough res like, and we're at a point whereby we can't even deliver statutory duties. So then you're making even harder conversations with your staff to go right. We can't help every vulnerable person in the system, and then I think we're already there. Yeah. Well, that, you know, and then it kind of drives yeah. towards this almost American model of, well, you have to have money to access uh, care. And then it's the, the, uh, the gap of kind of the inequalities yeah. ever grows ever more. I think there's a bit around this. And I actually want to do a follow up episode with you on this around the solutions for this. We could go me and you together could go off on a tangent here. But, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to pull us back. But funding is, is a, a key, a key issue. And I, but before we drive on, because it's my fault, I've jumped ahead. But just going back to the opportunities that we um that we have in the local governments. Um, there was always this kind of um, historical view that the councils had. If you've not worked for a council, you can't work for a council. Has that gone now? I'm not sure it's gone, but it's not. It's not such a big deal. So because of the funding arrangements for, for local government and because of the financial challenges and everything else and because of customer expectations, local government has to be more commercial and and more certainly in terms of customer more business orientated out you know amazon is brilliant and they knock on my door every day um i've got to be honest but actually what that's built into um society is an expectation that access is 24 7 results are immediate you know everything happens very quickly communication's good about where your order's up to and not. And actually, local government hasn't operated in that way. I'm not sure traditionally we've viewed our customers as customers. We've used them as residents. And actually, they are paying customers. They pay their, their council tax. 
and we I think we've got a whole cultural movement in local government to get much better at customer and therefore bringing folk particularly into that environment and in the um, sort of programme management regen, um, legal and finance around regen. We're looking for people with different skills than the, the traditional local government skills. So I think there's we're we're much less focused on oh you've got to have done your time in local government actually the new ideas the new approach the new energies somebody coming in from you know a different sector brings can bring massive opportunities and help us on our journey to be more commercial more efficient and, and more customer focused and there's a bit as well obviously which firstly that's really refreshing to hear um but also you know if you're at home listening to this and you you know you're starting out on your work journey there are apprenticeships that are available. Um, there is a full career path where, you know, yeah. that your whole journey is taken care for. So follow, look, keep following the podcast for more. We're going to do further episodes around the opportunities that exist within each um, of the kind of silos within local government so that you can have hopefully been more informed as to the opportunities that exist. But that's really refreshing to hear. Let's flip back into challenges because everyone loves a challenge. So we've <laughs> yeah. talked about the funding issue. Yeah. Recruitment and retention. It's it's uh you know it's it, it's it's massively challenging when even with the kind of the difficulties the economy is facing at the moment um and the stability the local government can offer in terms of employment it is a difficult to attract um uh, to candidates and the, and the right candidates because you said there you talked about the customer the customer experience and driving towards um those outputs those commercial outputs which fundamentally bring money back in for vulnerable residents and future proofing that uh, the 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 place shaping function for St Helens uh, residents. Why is it so difficult to recruit and retain staff in the local government? I think partly it's we we're not as I said before we're not great about shouting about what opportunities there are in local government, uh, the range of careers that you can have, and the benefits of a, of a local government career. So I think that's part of it. Part of it is it's a tough gig. You know, there's there's less people doing more than we've ever had. So, you know, it's not an easy ride by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I rarely see any of my staff that don't look tired <laughs> um, because they're all doing far more than they've ever done with less and and with greater expectation. Um, so I think it, it's challenging. But I also think there's nothing more rewarding and that's why people have lo long and successful local government careers so we d we often we don't pay as much as the private sector because we can't because it's taxpayers money and we haven't got enough of it um so we're not always as competitive as we would like to be um you know and and it's not I mean, there are some challenges in, you know, recruiting social workers, national national yeah. problem, um, surveyors, planners, national problem, uh, occupational therapists, national problem. You know, it's we're all experiencing the same sort of challenges. And some of that is about how those professions are funded, you know, so you, you, people are much more aware of the you know the the pressure of a student loan and uh, you know the the cost of um uh, professional qualifications 
but it's not just in the in the sort of entry to the um, to local government career. I think we've seen real challenges in um, appointing senior uh, to senior roles. Mm. You know, director of children's services, director of um, adult social care, director of finance, monitoring officers. They're really tough gigs. <laughs> there, um, there is. There, and then there is that. I mean, going back to your point there, I think there's a, there's a few bits I want to kind of unpick with you. I mean, the first thing I think is you want to attract people that are intrinsically motivated and you want to pay them enough so that they are fairly represented. They're paid in relation, not necessarily com- compared to the private sector equivalent, because that's not you're not looking for someone that is is extrinsically motivated, but paying them enough so that that, that kind of conversation can get off the table. Yeah. I think the brand really one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was because I was really passionate because I my mum my mum is the reason for this podcast. She was like, "We just shut up about councils and do it, talk to people about it." Because I am so passionate about the work that local local government officers do, and I feel privileged to speak to so many wonderful people. But people don't know about the opportunities that exist. No, and I think if they did, that would that would affect supply. I think there would be more people coming into the sector. Um, I do think there is a difficulty in recruiting senior people who have not worked in local government because they don't understand the politics uh, necessarily or the governance that needs to be upheld to. So I think the problem with the supply coming in at an entry point, and you talked about planners, you talked about finance, legal, um, surveyors, those are are sectors that are inherently affected by recession, particularly the place-based ones. So we have a knock-on effect there, 2008, there was a lag. And now they're probably going to see some kind of lag in the next 10 years. We've also got people who are retiring now after COVID. So there's this kind of perfect storm. And I think the only real way to get through this is to dance in the storm and embrace it by making more people aware of the opportunities that exist and removing the friction from entry. Yeah. Um, but it's a real challenge. Um, there was a third point that you want to talk about today in terms of the challenges that are facing local government. Yeah. It, and it's that sort of customer expectation yeah um so as i say as a customer i want 24 7 access i want progress updates i want to know you know when i can expect it to happen uh, all of that sort of stuff and we get that in in bucket loads from the private sector you know, private sector businesses, but we're not that great at it as councils. So, you know, we're in St. Helens, we're looking at how we can get better at that, you know, how you can get a, an automated response to where your planning application's up to, or where your social care assessment's up to, or, you know, but we're also not great at managing expectation. So we're not great at saying, you know, it will take us 10 days to give you a response to that. And so, you know, a significant volume of our calls are chasing a response because we've not been clear when you can expect it by. There's so a really interesting, is, yeah, sorry. It, it, it is about us getting better at viewing our customers as customers and not as just as residents, because our customers actually are businesses, uh, residents, um, visitors then it's not just residents that are customers and and we need to get better at meeting their expectations and managing expectations too because we've got a finite resource when uber was created they did spend a lot of money with psycho um behavioral scientists and you know when on the app it tells you how long it's going to be 
that is to remove they i forget the term of this now but essentially uncertainty creates a significant amount of anxiety so if you can just say to them it's it's going to be this long or it's going to be delayed then they they don't mind that the fact it's going to be delayed yeah. as long as they know about it and that kind of brings me on to a point around innovation because technology and innovation is a crucial part to it Thank you for listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Now, 87% of listeners who enjoyed the podcast do not leave a review, follow the podcast or share it. Please, if you liked it, review it, share it and let's keep spreading the positive message about local government.